Uh, we'll be reading again the same text tonight, or from the same text tonight as we did this morning. Aiden, just for your note, um, we're going to start in verse 18. If you want to find a slide that starts there, because we're not going to, you know, okay, there you go. I forgot to make the adjustment on the uh, the live stream, and uh, but, you know, I once uh, heard Dr. David Jeremiah say this. He said, the Bible isn't meant to be studied so that we can be smarter. It's meant to be studied so we can be better. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a really good uh, statement that he made, but it goes to the heart of what we looked at this morning in the parable of the sower. Uh, when we study the Word of God and when we receive it uh, with a heart that's prepared to receive it, it ought to make us better. And you say, well, that's not the word Jesus used. No, he says it means we ought to bear fruit, a lot of fruit, a hundredfold or maybe 60 or maybe 30. And, but don't you think the more spiritual fruit you produce, the better you are? Certainly the happier you are, the more uh, peaceful you are, and we could go on down the list of the fruit of the Spirit. So this morning, uh, we looked at uh, this passage of Scripture, and we looked at it from the perspective of the one receiving the seed, the one receiving the Word. I want to flip the coin tonight and look at it from the other perspective, because you realize that we as Christians, we have a responsibility to receive the Word of God and to allow it to grow in our lives and to produce uh, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But we also have a responsibility to sow the seed of the Word. You know, it's not in our text here. It's at the end of the book of Matthew. Of course, we call it the Great Commission. Jesus said, told his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said this, and teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If we're going to teach others everything Jesus has commanded us to do, what are we doing? We're sowing the seed of the word. And so tonight, we're going to look at a few uh, verses uh, from this passage of Scripture. We're, we're going to look at the parable as Jesus explains it to the disciples, beginning in verse 18. And uh, we're going to look at our duty to sow the seed, and how it's a lot harder, it really is a lot harder than sometimes we make it out to be. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 18, Jesus says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Let's pray. Father, thank you again that we have the opportunity to come into your house tonight to study your word. And Father, tonight it's, 
It's not about me. It's not really about anybody sitting in this room. But, Father, may it all be about you. And as we look at your word, may you draw our attention to you. May you help us to focus on you. Give me the words to speak here as, as I'm, I'm here tonight presenting this message. And just whatever individual message you have for each one of us, may you help us to take it and apply it to our lives so that we leave here changed and leave here seeking to serve you better every day. In Jesus' name, amen. If I were going to give tonight's sermon a title, I'd call it Hard Truths About Planting. Hard Truths About Planting. I thought about calling it the top three reasons many Christians don't try. But then I thought, that's too dramatic. i got to scale it back a little bit, you know. Hard Truths About Planting. You know, a lot of times we... I say we, meaning we as preachers, we as church leaders, we make it sound, I mean, we say it as if it's so simple sometimes. You ought to share the gospel with people. You ought to sow the seeds of the words everywhere you go, you know? And just like it's a given, yes, we ought to do it, but sometimes I think we fail to address the fact that it can be hard. It can be something very challenging to do. And I think if we look at this from the perspective of the one sowing, this what Jesus tells us, the parable of the sower, we'll see some hard truths that we need to acknowledge because I think sometimes only when we acknowledge those hard truths do we find the way to overcome them. Hard truth number one, even when we're faithful to sow the seed of God's word, some won't be received. That's what Jesus says. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. Uh, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Of course, as Jesus told the parable, he's talking about some of it falls on the road. Of course, the way the fields were in, in those days, you'd have these long fields next to each other, one by another, in the middle, you would have this path, not really a road, a path. That's how they'd travel from one place to another across the community. That, that path was never tilled up. It was never plowed up. And so over time, it packed rock hard. The seed couldn't penetrate it. The birds come along and eat it off the top. Jesus says that's what it's like to somebody who just, their heart is so hardened by sin, they won't receive it. And for somebody who's trying to sow seed, that's a difficult thing. You're so excited about wanting to share the gospel, and somebody just essentially slams the door in your face. That can be discouraging. We need to acknowledge that. One survey that I saw said one of the top reasons why people won't share their faith is because they have a fear of rejection. They've got a fear they'll be rejected. But here's the good thing. If that's what happens to you, you're in good company. Jesus was rejected, wasn't he? I think about the Sunday school teacher who pours their heart into their lesson to teach the, the little kids, or maybe they're teaching adults or whatever it is, the Awana leader who lovingly devotes time, the Bible study leader who pours all they've got into the Bible study they're going to be leading folks through, or the adult that build, finally builds up courage to talk to a coworker or maybe even a friend or family member about Jesus. And they just get flat out rejected and how discouraging that can be. And so 
You say, well, this is pretty much a down and out sermon. No, it's not. I want to give you some encouragement. And these hard, how do we overcome this hard situation? This hard truth, we overcome it with 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, where Paul tells us, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Translation, God didn't call us to save anybody. We can't save anybody if we wanted to. All we can do is share the gospel. All we can do is sow the seed and leave it up to him to do the rest. Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In other words, keep sowing seed, keep remaining faithful. When it's hard and you're rejected, keep sowing seed. The harvest will come. Hard truth number two. Some seed won't make it to maturity. As we looked at the parable of the sower, we saw Jesus said that some seed was planted in shallow ground. And it shot up real quick because it had that limestone uh, crust under just a little shallow dirt. And as the sun heated the dirt and it would heat that limestone faster through the dirt, and you think, how's it doing that? I'll give you, a, this is something a lot of people don't know, or this, this is just a little trivia thing. You walk through a cemetery, and a lot of times you see a uh, rectangular patch of grass that's dying off in the summer over a grave. Well, that's most likely where there's a concrete vault that that casket's in. And, you know, the law doesn't, people think graves are six feet deep, and they're not. You know, there should be 18 inches of dirt on that grave. You know, but over time, things erode, things happen. There may be a little shallower. But the, the, the heat of the sun is going through the ground and heating that concrete, and it's scorching the grass on the top of that grave. It's the same thing that's happening here. These seeds are planted so shallow, and the, it's a limestone uh, base over there in that region, and the sun's heating that limestone and causing that seed to sprout faster, and so it pops up and it looks good, but then it gets so hot it scorches it. It has no root to get the nutrients that it needs. The sun in the parable is a picture of persecution. The person receives the word of God. You, you sow the seed and the person receives the word of God and you're so excited. They so fast are on fire for God and then they're hit with some form of persecution. Maybe somebody at their work says, could you cool it with that Jesus stuff? You know, why are you so happy? And the we think of persecution as being so much more than that, but even those simple statements could be a form of persecution. And instead of standing firm, they cower down. And now their zeal for the Lord is gone, and that seed that was once alive in their hearts is seemingly dead. Jesus says some of them will wither away. He said some others get choked out by the weeds. You share the gospel. You see that they're... They're beginning to grow in their faith, but then oh, life gets busy, and they begin to fall out. You know, what's unfortunate is, I mean, you've seen it too. I've watched longtime active church members fall out because life just gets so busy. And I see them in town, and I say, sure do miss you at church. Well, yeah, but, you know, 
We got so much going on, Sunday morning's the only time I get to sleep. Or they say, we got ball tournaments, we got this, we got that. And now church attendance isn't the end all of your Christian life. But if you can't make time for an hour on Sunday morning, are you making time for God at any time is what I want to ask them, you know? I generally don't. I want them to like me. But as I, the, as I was studying this passage of Scripture, I kept thinking about something else. When we talk about people getting choked out by the weeds, we, we talk about withering away, we, we talk about this, the hard truth that some seed doesn't make it to maturity. And you think about people you know, people who they may have been raised in this church or another church. They grew up in what we'd call here in the South a good Christian home. And then you say, where are they at now? What happened to them? How did they fall away so far from the faith? You know? And, you know, parents, they've asked me before, parents of adult children have asked me before, what about what the Bible says? You know the verse, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. They say, is the Bible true or not? We have the Bible's true. It is. The answer, the answer to that is yes. Then what about all these people who were, quote, raised right? They were trained up in the way they should go. Now they seem to have departed from it. Now they just live like heathens. Well, the answer is not in the verse, the answer to that question. The answer is in the verse reference, Proverbs 22.6. You say, how does that answer the question? Well, the answer to the question is in the word Proverbs. Because to understand the verse, you have to understand what a proverb is. A proverb is a wisdom statement. That's what the book of Proverbs are. They are divinely inspired, yes. They are divinely inspired wisdom statements. Solomon, who wrote most of that, understood that. The people of his day understood that. Not a lot of wisdom left in the popular society around, you know, our parts of the world these days, it seems, so we lose track of some of this. But a wisdom statement is something that is generally true. Okay? It's divinely inspired, but it's generally true. It means generally, if you do this, this happens. If you don't do this, this happens. One of my professors, my Old Testament professor at the BMA seminary, uh, put it this way. And this statement in seminary stuck with me more than anything else. I couldn't tell you another quote from a professor while I was in seminary, okay? This I remember. Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs are not promises. They are wisdom statements. They are things that are generally true. We could go through the Proverbs, and I started to do it, but I thought I'm trying to save time. I'm chasing a rabbit. But um, we could go through it. You could go home and get your Bible out, and you could just start reading through the Proverbs, and you could say, I could name times when that appears not to be true or when that appears not to be true. And you could probably find examples of that because the Proverbs are only wisdom statements. They are generally, they are what generally happens, happens most of the time. So as hard as we try to raise good kids, 
We cannot claim as promises what God never intended to be a promise. As hard as we try to instill in them the principles of Scripture, we have to remember something. Whether or not the seed of God's Word takes root in their lives still depends on their willingness and ability to receive the Word. The parable of Jesus still reigns true. Their heart has to be prepared, and they have to be willing to receive the word for it to grow. That's a hard truth. That doesn't lessen our responsibility. If anything, I think it heightens our responsibility as parents or as grandparents. As a parent or a grandparent, you know, it's our responsibility to guard our children's hearts. To say, no, you don't need to do this. No, you don't need to do that. You know, I've had parents come to me and say, Brother Jeremy, you need to get my child back in church. I said, absolutely, I do not. Do they live in your house? Do they eat your groceries? You tell them what to do. We have a responsibility to guard our children's heart. We have a responsibility to protect them as much as we can during their formative years and to do everything we can to set them on a path that points them towards Jesus, to set them on a path that they probably won't turn back from. It's a hard truth. Not every seed reaches maturity. Final hard truth. Even when the heart's soil is good, different people yield different results. Verse, look at verse 23 again. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Did you notice how Jesus didn't say, here's the rate of return you can expect? He didn't. He said everybody's going to have a different yield because there are so many variables that would go into how much spiritual fruit we bear. He says it's different for every person. You know, as a pastor, it would be really easy to say, I wish every church member was just like fill in the blank. Pastors don't have favorite church members, though, you know? So anyway, so we're not going to just name people. You're all our favorite. But it'd be real easy to go find this, this, you know, say rock star of a church member, so to speak just killing it in all the spiritual disciplines, just doing everything supposedly, you know, by the book, and you say, I wish every church member was just like him or, or her, but the fact is that every church member, every Christian, is a unique individual being impacted by unique circumstances. And so is every Sunday school member. If you teach Sunday school, you might think, oh, I wish every member was as faithful as them. I wish every member would you know, of my class did such and such. Every member's different. So is every Awana student. So is every coworker that you have at your job. So is anybody else that you share the gospel with. Every person is different and will react differently, even those with well-prepared hearts. And that may be one of the most difficult things for me because I like predictability. I like order. Don't look at my desk sometimes because it doesn't look like that. But 
I like to know how things are going to happen, how things are going to turn out. But that's not the way it works when we sow the seed of the gospel. You know, but when it comes down to it, there's one most important point. And I stressed it this morning. The number one thing we need to remember is that the sower went out to sow. That's the number one thing we need to remember. The sower went out to sow. Didn't go out to control the outcome. Didn't go out to guarantee results. The sower went out to sow. The only result you can guarantee is is that, that you don't sow, there won't be an increase. So we need to sow. We need to sow the seed of the word everywhere we go. Sow it indiscriminately. You never know where it might take root and grow and yield a harvest. So as we leave here, I pray we'll be faithful to sow the seeds of the gospel wherever we go. And despite all these hard things we looked at, we'll just trust God to bring the increase. Do you have anything before we continue in the service this evening?